message you're about to listen to is produced by the Trans Edge Church. We believe you will be blessed and changed by it. The Trans Edge, change is inevitable. It's good to be at church to commemorate the death and resurrection of our Lord Jesus. But I also believe that it's appropriate for us to understand our place in him. Because it's not just about a man who died and rose again. So, how does that relate to me? It's about the fact that him dying and rising up again seals my faith in him. It makes me realize that I'm not part of a dead God. I'm part of a living, breathing God who loves me so much to lay himself down for me and woke up again to make sure that I'm not cheated out of the benefits. Praise God. So this morning, and for some of you, this might be new, for, but for most of us, this is not new, this is normal. But Jesus said in Matthew, on the night that he was betrayed, he broke the bread, and it was actual bread. And it was just bread. But he said it signifies his body, which is broken for us. Being beaten, being humiliated, I don't know any man or anybody who would be able to put themselves through such humiliation and harassment and scorn of the people they used to call friends. And all his friends, his disciples, ran away. And Peter said, I'm going to stick to you. I'll stick to you even till death, but Peter was nowhere to be found. And Jesus said, hey, Peter, I won't hold it against you, but three times you deny me. Peter said, no, but he did. But the communion is not for those people that are holy. The communion is not for those people that are sinless. The communion is for those people that are broken that are flawed, that have issues in their lives. Because the communion is what brought you life. Jesus said, I have not come for the righteous. He said, I have come for the sinners, for the broken, for the poor. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the good message, the good news to the poor. So the communion is for everyone who believes in Jesus and believes in his death and the resurrection of Jesus. In our times, in some places, they would say, well, on, unless you've confessed all your sins, you cannot have the communion. But when Jesus died for us, no one even cared about their sins. And that was where the biggest communion was ever given. Can I say to you 
that the communion is not about purifying you. The communion is about telling you where you belong. You are a part of the body of Christ. You are a part of the body of Christ. Think about it. If my kids are unruly, disobedient, when it's time for dinner, do I push them away or call them back in, regardless of how they behaved? Would I push them away? Oh, talk to me. Would I push them away? Would I call them back in? Even though they've been very rude and stubborn outside, they will still sit at the same table with me. Do you know why? Because they belong to my family. And this is what the communion is about this morning. You belong to God. And this is saying that you are part of his body in all aspects. Of course, as humans, you're flawed. As humans, there are, there are things that you don't even like that you do. But Jesus is saying, you still belong to me. You're part of my body. So this morning, we're going to take this communion to commemorate the death and resurrection of Jesus as well as to Seal our place in him. We're sealing our place in Jesus. If it's okay, can we all stand up, please? And in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 24, we're going to take from verse 23. And Paul was writing to the Corinthians about communion. But here he said, for I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So he's saying that his body was broken for you. And said, do this in remembrance of me. And that's what we are doing today. Praise God. When you take the communion, it's a spiritual thing. It has the capacity to kill every disease in your body. It has the capacity to nullify those terrible things that run through your veins. Because Jesus died for you for this same reason. According to Isaiah chapter 53, it says, he was bruised for, for our transgression, scourged for our iniquities. It said, by his stripes, we are healed. And I'm saying this to you to know that this action would change your life. And I want you to believe it because all things are possible to them that believe. So I'll read that verse again. The Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Father, we accept that we are part of your body and that the blood of Jesus cleanses us 
from every sin and sickness and pain and death and poverty. And we accept the body of Jesus and thank you for what you've done. In Jesus' name. Go ahead. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it. Remember me. Sweet Jesus, we remember you today. We remember you shedding your blood at the cross of Calvary for our cleansing. We remember you shedding your blood for us to gain a new life. Say, for whosoever shall call upon the name of Jesus shall be saved. We call upon your name, O God, and thank you for what you've done. Thank you, because this blood cleanses us of all sickness, disease, fear, and everything that is represented on the cross, selfishness, anxiety, depression, it cleanses all of that. In Jesus' name. Amen. Go ahead. We thank you, God. Thank you for giving your son, Jesus. Thank you for healing us. Thank you for cleansing us. Thank you because you didn't look upon whether or not we are qualified, but you accepted us. You took on our shame and our guilt and our unpleasantness and our unpoliteness and our rudeness and, and our covetousness, our fornication, our adultery. You know, you took all of those things. Father, you took them. You took them and placed them upon Jesus and he took them on our behalf. That we do not need to pay anymore because the debt has been paid. We praise you. We honor you. We adore you for what you've done. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. All right. Someone is just going to come around and collect the, the cups. But if you don't mind, you can be seated and we'll just have a quick chat. This morning, on Easter Sunday, I'm speaking on the topic, do you believe this? Do you believe this? And the first place that I'd like to take you to, to establish the background for this little conversation we're having this morning, is John chapter 11, verse 25 to 26. And this scripture is centered around the death 
<clears throat> of Lazarus. And for some of us who know about the story, how Lazarus died, and after four days, Jesus came back to Bethany. And Mary and Martha, they were a bit skeptical if Lazarus would ever wake up. Martha actually said, Lord, my brother is gone. It's been four days. He'll be stinking now. And Jesus said in verse 25, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? And that's the question I'm asking you this morning. Do you believe this? Jesus made a big statement. So I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me, even though they are dead, yet they will live again. And ask Martha, do you believe this? And I'm asking you the same question this morning. Do you believe this? You see, it's easy for us to just say, well, it's not about me. What if you were the one? What if you were Martha, whose brother is dead? And Jesus came around after four days. Of course, Lazarus would have been decomposing by that time. And Jesus said to Martha, your brother will live again. And Martha said, hey, he's been dead for four days. And Jesus made a big statement. And not only just to Martha, so many people were there. The Bible told us, the previous verses, that a lot of people were there. And Jesus made a big statement. I am the resurrection and the life. You see, one, one part that I saw about that scripture, he, he didn't just say, I am resurrection and life. He said, I am the resurrection. It's a definite article. I am the resurrection. And I am the life. So if you're looking for life, you look for no one else. It's life nowhere else. He said, life is in me. Or rather, I am the life. Asking you the same question, because it's a personal issue, it's a personal matter, is being addressed to you personally, the word do you, do you, you there, is the first word that I would take. You, do you believe it? Do you believe this? Because it's easy to live your life on what other people say or what, you know, people think. It's easy to say, well, I'm going to church because, you know, Jesus died and rose again, so we're just celebrating. But do you really believe? Do you believe? Jesus said to Peter, or Jesus asked his disciples, he said, who do people say that I am? 
and said, some say you are the prophet, some say you are Elijah. And he said, ask them, who do you say that I am? You see, it's easy to live, to become a Christian based on what people tell you. But have you come to that point where you experience Jesus for yourself? That you believe him regardless of anything else? Do you believe this? So I'm challenging you this morning to make it personal. To reflect upon what you believe. When Jesus made that claim, do you and stop mentally pointing to other people. No, it's about you now. Do you believe this? You see, when Jesus said, who do people say I am? But who do you say that I am? And Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And that was Peter's revelation. Not everyone said that. It was only Peter that spoke up. And Jesus said, hey, blessed are you, Peter. You are blessed for having that personal experience, that personal revelation of me. So because flesh and blood in other words, just your own human imagination did not show you that. He said, it, that must have been my Father in heaven. In other words, there is a connection. There's a spiritual connection that you have for you to be able to determine who I truly am. He said, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. He said, but my Father who is in heaven has revealed to you. My question again to you is, do you believe this? Have you come to that point where there is a personal connection, a spiritual connection to understand that this is not just one of those stories. This is the story. We can label ourselves any way we want. I'm spiritual, but not, do not go to church. I, you know, and people call so many things spiritual these days, you know. Are you spiritual? Uh, not spiritual. Are you a Christian? Yes, I'm a Christian. How do you know you are a Christian? Do you believe in the death of Jesus? Do you believe in the birth of Jesus? Do you believe in the resurrection of Jesus? Not just because the Bible says so. Do you have a personal experience? Do you, have you come to that point that you are not only just arguing to support Christianity, but you are speaking because you believe it? Because you can argue all you like, just to win a point. But if you don't believe, it's a whole different thing. Praise God. Number two, do you believe this? And the next word that I'm taking is believe. Because it's pointed. It says, faith is the consideration that is given here. In other words, you could want to, but do you actually have the faith that this happened. You see, because when you do believe it, one thing will happen. Every other thing that Jesus said about it will start to happen with you. And Jesus said, all power in heaven and on earth have been given to me in Matthew chapter 28. And he says, go in my name also. Say, in my name shall you cast out devils. Because if you believe, that will start to happen. You won't have problem believing in the 
things that God says will happen in your life if you believe. And what did the Bible tell us about believe? It said everything, all things, excluding nothing, are possible to him that believes. Everything. Not a few. Not when, when you're nice. Everything is possible to them that believe. Hallelujah. And the third one is this. So do you believe this? What was he talking about? It is precise. Do you believe the truth? Because Jesus said, I am the resurrection and life. Do you believe I am the resurrection and life? Do you believe? Well, there are so many things that Jesus talked about himself. And actually in John, there are six points that Jesus made about who he is. And the very first point, the first place that we ever heard about the phrase, I am, was when God spoke to Moses. He said, who do I say to Pharaoh sent me? What's your name? I said, tell Pharaoh, I am. And no one else could ever explain themselves like that or ever you know, refer to them like, themselves like that because at times, even when you think about it, it does not sound like it makes sense. But God is saying, I am, I have been, I will be, I am. He precedes you. He lasts way after you. He is still right there at the very present moment. He has been. He is and will be. And the Bible said in, in um, Hebrews chapter 12, it said, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever, he does not change. And he would not change because of you. Praise God. In John chapter 14, Jesus made these claims, all right? He made these claims. And, and he's asking a particular question now, do you believe this? And one of the, the claims that he made in 14 was, I am the way. And the part that gets me all the time is when he uses the word the. In other words, when he says the, it means there's no other. There might be others, but this one is the one that is approved. You could have all your fake passports, but go to the Department of Immigration, they will find the real passport. You can have all the fake documents and line up, but they will very quickly find out who the real person is. And Jesus is saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And he says, no one comes to the Father except through me. And he wanted to say that even some more in chapter 10, John chapter 10, he says, I am the door. John chapter 10, he says, I am the door. He said, no one else can go through any other way. He said, any other way you go through is a window. He said, only thieves will do that. Say, I am the door. Then he made another claim in chapter 15, John chapter 15. He said, I am the true vine. 
See, and my father is the husband man. In other words, he's the farmer. He's the one who looks after the vine. He said, but you are the branches of the vine. In other words, you are integrated into the vine. You're part and parcel of the vine. He said, but I'm the true vine. I'm the true vine. Hallelujah. In chapter 6, John, he said, I am the bread of life. And that gets me most times. I am the bread of life. And when he talks about bread, it means food, right? It means what sustains you, your sustenance. So the only one who can sustain you is Jesus, he says. Say, I am. So he made those six statements, I am, I am, I am. So regardless of what he puts after it, one thing was stable, was constant through all those statements. I am. So the question to you is, do you believe that he is what he says he is? Do you believe? And in chapter 11, it says, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. You see, it's, there's no need to try to convince you that Jesus rose again. Do you know why? Because it's very difficult to convince you. I tell you, even Thomas that was very close to Jesus, it was difficult to convince him. So why should I be trying to convince you? Thomas lived with Jesus for three years. Come on, think about it. He was best friend with Jesus. But when Jesus rose again, Peter, John, and five others had seen Jesus, and they came to tell others. Every other person believed. Thomas did not believe. He said, ah, because I saw this guy died. I saw the way he died. That guy, the way they, they treated him, the way they killed him, the way he ended up, there's no one who will rise up from that. He's not in coma. He died. I said, but Jesus rose again. I said, no. No. But, but you see, in chapter 14, 15, 6, 8 and 10, Jesus was always saying, I am the bread of life. I am the door. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. And he even went ahead to say, hey, destroy this temple, and in three days you shall have it back. And he was talking about himself, the Bible says. And guess what? Thomas was always with him. But Thomas did not believe when Jesus actually rose up. So if Thomas could not believe, why should I waste my time trying to convince you? So my role is not to convince you that Jesus rose, rose again. My role is to ask you, do you believe? Do you believe what he says about himself? Do you believe? Because if you believe, then you can only live the life that he described. If you believe, then you can only have eternal life like he said. Because if you don't believe, every other thing is a story. Every other thing is just a mirage. You can't, you, because it won't come to life in your life. But when you believe, everything else will fall in place. Do you believe? Easter is not just about Easter eggs. Honestly, I don't even know where they got that from. And then, out of every other thing, they didn't even look out for a rooster or a chicken. They went for a bunny. 
Bunnies don't lay eggs. Bunnies are mammals. It could have been Easter chicken, isn't it? So I, I don't get that. There might be a story around it. I've not read up to that. But I know that when Jesus <laughs> rose up from the dead, he didn't come out with chocolates. And it's one way of taking away the recognition of the resurrection of Jesus and putting it on things that we can see just to distract people some more. So instead of believing in the resurrection and lies, they only celebrate Easter egg hunt. Easter is not about chocolate. Easter is about Jesus. It's about Jesus. And it's high time we start to understand that there is a tendency for us to slip from the understanding that the season, the reason for the season is Jesus as opposed to believing what we have been presented in the media. Oh, how much the media have done to our lives. It's beautiful. Media is beautiful. But it's also destroyed a whole lot of lives. Do you know you would never know of drugs unless media has actually picked it up? You would never have known. And Paul revealed this. He said, I didn't know what sin is until they said, do not sin. Do you know the reason why so many people go into drugs today is because the police and the law says do not? Because the human, the human understanding, the human imagination, the human, um, the, the way human reasons is that they want to break the law every time. Every time. Humans have been wired in such a way that they challenge anything that stands by them. As I'm talking to you now, some of you are challenging my thoughts in your head. It's okay. Because that's the way we've been, we've been wired. It's okay. And think about it. Why they would put on, on school in school zones 40, you know, speed, 40 kilometer speed limit. And some of us will still get caught by the police. Speeding through the speed limit. Is it because they didn't see it? And they went ahead from there and put um, zebra crossing so that at least when you get closer to that area, you know to stop to allow kids to, to pass. There are still some people that will rush over it. They went ahead to add light, a circular light, to the 40 so that you, you cannot say you don't see it. It's flashing at you. Drive 40. How about speed cameras? It's already there, 60. 60 zone. Right? And then we still zoom past it. And we know there's a speed camera. We know. Because before the speed camera, there's always an inscription. Speed cameras used in New South Wales. <laughs> And there's another one, speed camera ahead. You've been told, we will still drive. And then they thought about it. Hmm, that's a better way to make money. So we know you are going to drive. 
65.70 in the 50 zone, we'll give you a bill and you'll pay. We'll get rich for your stupidity. Do you know how much money the New South Wales government makes out of people's stupidity? It's in its hundreds of millions. Traffic infringement is one of the biggest money-making ventures in New South Wales. I don't know about other countries. Oh, sorry, other states. It's the biggest money-making venture. Is it bad? No. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Especially for those people who do not know how to give towards God's business. How you give towards the government for your stupidity. It's good at times. They will come for you. You know that. They will come for you. And there's no way you can run away from that bill. Once it gets delivered, you are owing. That's it. You might say, I don't know. Five years' time when you want to buy a new house. They'll tell you, you can't take a loan. Why? There was this $5 that you didn't pay five years ago. What? Well, you need to pay the $5 anyway. And the processing fee probably might be $15. <laughs> it's always higher, usually, when it's small. And then... That still will not allow them to give you the loan <laughs> because you have to wait for, I think, I think they say seven years until that black mark gets lifted off your name. So you can't borrow any money. You can't, you can't move forward just because some time ago someone decided to drive past. For some reason, I've, I, I don't know how I got there, but I, I've made it a duty that every day, especially Monday to Friday, regardless of how late in the night it is, ask my wife. I go to the mail, open it. Are there letters? Because the reason is, there was once in my life I didn't read the letter and it went past. And it came heavy. Do you know how much it was? $35. It came heavy. After three years, when I was about to get a loan, they said, you're owing $35. From who? Origin Energy. How? How did that happen? Can't even remember. They went through their history. We tried calling your home phone. I said, I already left that house. So we couldn't get in contact with you. But that's not our problem. That's the, the number that you provided. But come on. No. Pay the $35. Okay, I will pay the right away. Well, $10 transaction or, you know, office processing fee. I paid everything. How much? 45 Yes. Let it through. No, you have to wait five years. Okay, then. From that day onwards, every day, <laughs> go check my <laughs> mailbox. There's something. I've said that to say this. that the law will work against you whether you like it or not. It will work for you if you do the right thing. And I think we'll left off from media. 
how media have, you know, put so many things to us and we either believe it because it's on TV or not. I mean, can I say to you that not everything on TV is right? There are people's opinions. And if you have the opportunity to get into a TV, you know, station and sit down and say anything, perhaps other people will believe you. And at times we use Hollywood as our standard for life. Seriously. Hollywood wears ripped jeans and we decide that's the norm. Holy jeans. You remember? <laughs> and I see some of my people here wearing it. It's okay. I just realized that you watch too much TV. That's fine. But you see, and, and, and that's what it is. And that's what we see. And that is why, they, you know, I don't want to generalize, but to some extent, that is why there's, there's so much divorce. In our communities. Why? Because Hollywood says you can't do this anymore. Just go. And we think, oh yeah. You know, instead of sitting down and trying to fix things, we decide, you know what? It's easier just to go and look for someone else who can treat me better. Can I say that no one else can treat you better until you determine to be able to be the one to sit down and treat that other person better. This morning we are lucky to have George here and his wife. And I think George said the last time that they've been together for 30 years, is it? 40. 40 years. 40 years. And we're just about o'clock 10, isn't it? We have 30 more to go. 40 years. And some of us were not even born then. <laughs> Can I ask you a question? Has it always been sweet? Okay, another question. Have you ever felt like walking away? Of course. Of course. Of course. Because that is typical marriage. That is typical marriage. It's not always sweet. She will kill me after this time, but let me how many times have you threatened me that you want to walk away? We've only done ten years. Perhaps two. It was really ugly. But you see, she's the most important person in my life, regardless. And I cannot imagine my life without her. Praise God. And at the end of the day, you say, I was just joking. But I knew she meant it at that point. (laughs) And if I had said, okay, go, then she would have possibly dared me. Although both of us would regret it. The reason I'm saying this is, hey, when things are going on, sit down first and count the blessings first. Because usually the blessings are much more than the negatives. But Hollywood tells us it's easier to just get a divorce 
Hollywood tells us a whole lot of things. Newspapers tells us a whole lot of things. And they are just people's opinions. And do you know what we find ourselves today politically? Is what people have told us over a period of time. And then our lawmakers sit down and go, if the TV keeps showing married at first sight, and people like it, they will vote for it. So if the people like it and they will vote for it, then let us support it and make it a law so that people can vote for us and we'll stay in the office even when they don't believe in what they're trying to vote for. At times they don't even believe it. But they know if they don't make it into law so that more people who were not thinking to like it, then they won't remain in power. I'm not a politician. I'm not intending to be. But I'm saying this. Do not live your life without thinking. Live your life asking yourself, do you believe this? Do you believe this? Do you believe? So think about it. This is about Jesus. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. He that comes to me, or he that believes in me, even though they are dead, yet they will live again. You know, at times, it's difficult to understand the depth of that philosophy. But it's not a philosophical statement. It's a statement of fact. It's not a statement that is arguable. It's a statement of fact. And at times, the things that we don't understand does not mean it's a lie. You understand that? It does not always mean that the things that we don't understand is a lie. But if you don't understand it, how about asking yourself, I want to understand. And when you become a searcher, you will find, Jesus said, knock, and the door will be open, seek, and you shall find. Ask, and you'll be given. So if you don't know Jesus today, and you don't have, and it has not made sense to you whether Jesus is alive or not, don't lock up your mind. Search. Search. Don't believe what other people have said. What do you? Our first point was you. It's personal. What do you believe? And the second point is believe. Do you actually, for real, believe this? Do you have faith about it? And the third point is this. What he claims to be. He said, I'm the resurrection and life. And I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the door. I am the bread of life. Do you believe this? Do you believe that he rose again for your justification? Do you believe that he rose again to ensure that you are not cheered out by the devil on what he has already promised you? Do you know his word says you shall lay hands on the sick and they'll recover? See, it's not difficult to believe that when you already have the main belief that yes, he is and he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So when you lay your hands on the sick, they have no other option but to, but to recover. But the question is always, hey, does the sick believe also? Because it's not just about me praying. It's also about the sick believing to receive healing. So the question to you is, do you believe? It's not just about the sick. How about terrible relationships? You just think this relationship is going through the rocks. 
Do you believe that God can resurrect that relationship? That even when you already have your papers put in through court and you're waiting for the decision, you know, for divorce, you can still come back and say, you know what, let's sit down together. Let's talk about this. Don't just give up on it. The only thing I would say, hey, run away from is if you get beaten every day, please stand up and run. Because you probably might not be alive to have a chat next time. Okay? No man or woman has the right to beat another person. If you feel like it's fun, you become the girl. Let them beat you. It's not fun. And I always tell people, I said, I've got one daughter. Anyone who will lay hand on my daughter. And, that, and, and, and the way I see my girl that way, I believe that's the same way other parents see their girls. So why do you think it's okay? Why do you think? And I know I'm speaking to you right here. Some of you are not married yet. And some of you are. But I'm not only speaking to you, I'm speaking to every other person who will hear this message tomorrow. It is not okay to perpetrate violence in your families. It's not okay. Even if it's your sister, you do not have the right to. You cannot. You should not. It is wrong. Do you believe this? I want to give you an opportunity, if you've not known Jesus, to give your life to Jesus. Like I said, I'm not here to convince you that Jesus is real or he's alive because I believe that he's real and he's alive. Because you have every other question. You have questions against, philosophical questions against what I'll tell you. You already have those, you know, ticks. Okay, when he asks this, I will ask him that. And when he answers this, and I'll ask him that. I probably might not be able to win you. So I would not even go into the discussion. But my role is to introduce Jesus to you. And if I were you, I will open my heart and think about it. And ask God, God, if you're real, show yourself to me. And can I say to you, he will. He will. First, he will give you peace. And then his Holy Spirit will start to work in your heart. That you always lean towards where the gospel is being preached. So, this is your opportunity. If you have not received Jesus and you want to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior today, it will be an amazing day to actually receive Jesus. Then you don't have to try to remember the day you just say, it was Easter Sunday. Praise God. So, if you would like to give your life to Jesus, can we all stand on our feet, please? And all eyes closed, every head bowed. If you would like to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I'd like you to just lift up your hand. You don't have to lift it up, but you can just lift up your hand and put it back down. That's fine. But it's your opportunity. 
It's not about me, it's about you.